This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of extremity flap reconstruction from the hand section on orthobullets.com. As a quick introduction, let's define a flap. This is a unit of tissue transferred from a donor site to a recipient site while maintaining its own vascular supply. The definition of a pedicle is a vascular portion of the transferred tissue and usually contains one artery and one or more veins. Indications for flap coverage includes a soft tissue injury with exposed bone, tendons, cartilage, and or orthopedic implants. Now let's talk about the classification of extremity flap reconstruction. There's a blood supply classification, a tissue type classification, and a mobilization type classification. So the blood supply classification can be divided into axial pattern local flaps, random pattern flaps, and venous flaps. Axial pattern local flaps contain a single arteriovenous pedicle, which is a named vessel. Indications include when primary slash secondary closure is not advisable and an area that cannot support a split thickness skin graft or a full thickness skin graft and a length width ratio needs to be greater than 2 to 1. Random pattern flaps are supported by numerous microcirculation with no single arteriovenous pedicle. Indications include when a primary slash secondary closure is not advisable and the area cannot support a split thickness skin graft or full thickness skin graft and the length width ratio needed is less than 2 to 1. Finally, a venous flap uses veins as inflow and outflow of arterial blood. Moving on to the tissue type classification, this can be divided into cutaneous, fascial flap, muscle flaps, bone flaps, and composite flaps. Cutaneous flaps include skin and subcutaneous tissue. A fascial flap includes fascia with no overlying skin. An example includes a temporal parietal flap. Muscle flaps usually require additional transfer of a skin graft to cover muscle. Alternatively, muscle can be transposed as part of a musculocutaneous flap, otherwise known as a composite flap. Know that if the motor nerve is not preserved, the flap will atrophy to 50% of its original size. Examples of bone flaps include a free fibula and a free iliac crest. A free fibula is based on the perineal artery pedicle and is useful for diaphyseal reconstruction. A free iliac crest flap is based on deep circumflex iliac vessels and is useful for metaphyseal reconstruction. Composite flaps consist of multiple tissue types. Examples include a radial forearm flap, otherwise known as a fasciocutaneous flap. Finally, moving on to the mobilization type classification, this can be divided into local flaps, distal random pattern flaps, distal axial pattern flaps, and free tissue transfer. In a local flap, the tissue is transferred from an area adjacent to the defect. In a distal random pattern flap, there will be transfer of tissue to a non-contiguous anatomic site. Indications include that the surrounding tissue will not support a local flap and the length width ratio needed is less than 2 to 1. A distal axial pattern flap is indicated when the surrounding tissue will not support a local flap and the length width ratio needed is greater than 2 to 1. Finally, free tissue transfer is indicated when local or distant tissue is not sufficient for distal axial and random pattern flaps. Now let's go over some different flap techniques with respect to the region that they cover. For example, fingertips and hand, arm flaps, leg muscle flaps, and bone flaps. So for fingertips and hand, be sure to listen to the podcast episode about fingertip amputations and finger flaps to learn more about finger flaps. For arm flaps, the ones to know include a lateral arm flap and a latissimus dorsi myocutaneous flap. So a lateral arm flap is used for lateral arm defects, and know that the blood supply is by the posterior radial collateral artery, which is a branch of the profunda brachii. A latissimus dorsi myocutaneous flap is used for large defects around the elbow, 
and know that the blood supply is provided by perforators off of the thoracodorsal artery. Moving on to leg muscle flaps, the ones to know include a medial gastroc flap, a lateral gastroc flap, a soleus, gracilis, free flap, and a groin flap. So a medial gastroc flap is used for medial and midline defects over the proximal third of the tibia. The pedicle is supplied by the medial sural artery. A lateral gastroc flap is used for lateral defects over the proximal third of the tibia, and the pedicle is supplied by the lateral sural artery. A soleus flap is used for wounds over the middle third of the tibia. It is supplied by branches of the popliteal artery trunk, the posterior tibial artery, specifically the medial portion, and the perineal artery, specifically the proximal portion. A gracilis flap is the most common donor for free muscle transfer. The nerve is the anterior division of the obturator nerve, and the artery is a branch of the medial femoral circumflex artery. A free flap is used for wound coverage over the distal third of the tibia or in the middle and proximal leg when the soleus and gastrocnemius are damaged. Moving on to a groin flap, this is an axial flap that has been a mainstay of providing soft tissue coverage of the upper extremity. This is based on the superficial circumflex iliac artery and know that there is a risk of injury to the lateral femoral cutaneous nerve. Finally, moving on to bone flaps, a free iliac crest is based on the deep circumflex iliac vessels and is useful for metaphyseal reconstruction. A free fibula is used for diaphyseal reconstruction and is based on the perineal artery pedicle. A vascular bone graft from the radius is gaining popularity for osteonecrosis of scaphoid fractures. This is harvested from the dorsal aspect of the distal radius and is based on the 1-2 intercompartmental superretinacular artery, which is a branch of the radial artery. An index metacarpal transposition is indicated to reduce the space left between the index and ring finger following middle ray amputation. An alternative technique is a deep transverse intermetacarpal ligament reconstruction. Finally, a little metacarpal transposition is indicated to reduce the space left between the middle and little finger following a ring ray amputation. As far as the technique of an extremity flap reconstruction, the lateral reconstruction in order of increasing complexity is primary closure, then secondary closure with healing by secondary intention, skin graft, local flap, regional flap, and free tissue transfer. Complications of an extremity flap reconstruction includes flap failure, donor site morbidity, and non-union for vascularized bone transfer. Flap failure can be secondary to inadequate arterial flow, which is treated with immediate return to the operating room. Flap failure can also be secondary to inadequate venous outflow, which can be treated with loosening dressings and removal of selected sutures, and returning to the operating room if not relieved by these measures. Examples of donor site morbidity is that it may be cosmetically unacceptable, pain related to the graft, as well as seroma, which is treated with aspiration or excision if it's encapsulated. Finally, in terms of non-union for vascularized bone transfer is another potential complication. The incidence may be as high as 32% if there is no additional bone graft that is used. In terms of prognosis of extremity flap reconstruction, note that free tissue transfer within 7 days for severe trauma in the upper extremity has been shown to decrease complication rates. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic might be tested. First question. A 25-year-old right-handed IV drug user presents with left forearm cellulitis and osteomyelitis of the radius. After a course of IV antibiotics and debridement of the radius, the patient is left with a 10-centimeter bone defect. The patient is able to kick his drug habit. You consider a bone flap to span the defect and reconstruct the radius. Which artery will be used in the anastomosis for the required bone flap? And the choices are 1. Perineal, 2. Longitudinal branch of the descending geniculate, 
Three, transverse branch of the descending geniculate. Four, posterior radial collateral. And five, medial sural. The correct answer to this question is one, perineal. So a free vascularized fibula is required for the lengthy bone defect, and it is based on the perineal artery. The free vascularized fibula, supplied by the 1.4 to 4 millimeter diameter perineal artery, also carries two venae and can be raised with a skin paddle. The pedicle length is roughly 4 to 6 centimeters, and the distal 5 to 6 centimeters of bone is typically retained to preserve the ankle syndesmosis. This graft is ideal for managing larger defects, which are defined as greater than 6 centimeters, in trauma, after debridement of infection, in the setting of congenital anomalies, or for avascular necrosis. Noman reviewed surgical outcomes following a free vascularized fibula bone flap in 16 patients who had upper extremity bony defects, primarily following debridement of osteomyelitis of the forearm. The authors found that almost all patients, that is 15 out of 16, went on to union at an average of 3.5 months and that there was no recurrence of infection. Adani et al. reviewed 12 cases of free vascularized fibula used in reconstruction following trauma. They noted that the size of the bony defect ranged from 6 to 13 centimeters. At the time of final follow-up, the authors found that 8 of the 12 cases went on to union. They underscored the utility of this graft for large segmental defects of the forearm. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 2, the longitudinal branch of the descending geniculate artery, or the DGA, is the supply for the medial femoral condyle flap, which may be used for scaphoid fracture non-unions, but cannot supply the length of bone required in this patient. Answer 3, transverse branch of the descending geniculate is incorrect, as the transverse branch of the descending geniculate artery is the supply for the medial femoral trochlea flap, which may be used for scaphoid proximal pole non-unions, but also is insufficient for the length of bone required in this patient. Answer 4, the posterior radial collateral artery is the supply for the lateral arm flap, which may be raised with a small piece of bone, but cannot be used for a large diaphyseal defect. Finally, answer 5, medial sural nerve is incorrect, as the medial sural artery supplies the medial gastrocnemius rotational flap, which is not used to address bony defects. Moving on to the next question. A 32-year-old male sustains a type 3B open proximal third tibia fracture. Four days after intramedullary nailing of the tibia, the wound is clean and ready for coverage with the medial gastrocnemius rotational flap, which is the dominant arterial blood supply to this flap. And the choices are one, superior and inferior genicular arteries, 2. Anterior tibial artery, 3. Posterior tibial artery, 4. Sural artery, and 5. Saphenous artery. The correct answer to this question is 4. Sural artery. So the dominant arterial blood supply to a medial gastrocnemius muscle flap is the sural artery. Rotational gastrocnemius flaps are useful for coverage of the proximal third of the tibia and some wound defects about the knee. Medial and lateral gastrocnemius arterial supply is from the medial and lateral sural arteries, respectively. Coverage of the middle third of the tibia requires use of a rotational soleus muscle flap supplied by the perineal artery proximally and the posterior tibial artery distally. Coverage of the distal third of the tibia requires a free muscle flap transfer based on a specific vascular pedicle. And moving on to the final question. The sural artery provides the vascular supply to which musculocutaneous flap? And the choices are 1, soleus, 2, gastrocnemius, 3, latissimus dorsi, 4, tibialis anterior, and 5, perineus longus.
the correct answer to this question is two gastrocnemius. So the sural artery supplies both heads of the gastrocnemius and is the pedicle for rotational flaps. 85% of the time, there is a single vascular source. That's all for this review about extremity flap reconstruction. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the OrthoBullets podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you aren't already, be sure to follow OrthoBullets on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on the OrthoBullets podcast.